Welcome to the Black Sparrow Media Internet Broadcast Network. Welcome to 181 of Linux in the Hamshack, recorded the day after Christmas 2016, and I let the intro go a little bit long today as a twofold uh, one gesture of thanks to Dave for having created the, the intro. intro for us, and uh, as a snub to a certain podcaster who said not to let your intro go too long so (laughs) 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 so we'll just leave it at that anyway i'm russ k5tux and with me tonight is cheryl hello everyone and bill any 4rd from not very snowy big sky country montana (laughs) good evening everyone (laughs) so we've determined that the the big snow that ran through the, the upper midwest didn't leave too much with bill Left uh, apparently quite a bit around oh, Chicago wow. and other places, and we just got some thunder and stuff and and whatnot. And Rain. It, it's Rain all is good. yep. Moving on to the east now. There you go. Yeah, I think we squeaked about maybe a maybe about an inch, inch and a half here Ooh. in town. So not too bad. No, that's not bad at all. Yeah. All right, so we'll jump right into episode number one eighty one, and this is going to be kind of loose and chatty and free form because it's the end of the year and. We're just all feeling good. At least I hope we're all feeling good. That's kind of what the season's about for me, since I don't have any religious affiliation or anything like that. Um, oh, I don't. I don't care. <laughs> uh, you know, they can. I, I'm pretty sure I've said I'm an atheist on the show before. So there yeah, you go. Probably. But anyway, but at least I, I I enjoy this time of year just because it brings people together for whatever reason. People are happier. They're part of the human race they seem to be kinder to one another whatever the reasons behind that are there you go we still I, I'm, I'm good about that. stuff too well i just like christmas lights and blinky flashy things you know I, you know Ooh. it's shiny yeah <laughs> well christmas is all about a pagan holiday anyway so. well right, originally right. so yeah, yeah, yeah but we don't you know you don't want to bring that up <laughs> <laughs> so. saturnalia or something like yeah that. Something yeah like that. yeah yeah <laughs> Let's Gassed. talk about amateur radio. <laughs> Is that what we do here? Flip, well, flip on of. your blinker. You're changing lanes every, again. Every once in a while, we we have an amateur radio topic. Yep. It looks like we're going to talk about 60 meters again today. We talk about 60 meters a lot, even though it's a band that I actually can't use because my radio won't do it. Well, I mean, I can receive on it. I just can't transmit on it. Can't transmit on it, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so six me- 60 meters is now open for use in Germany and Ireland. The Class A license in Germany, uh, as of the 20th of December 2016, now has secondary access to 5351.5 and 5366.5 
at 15 watts EIRP per the WRC 15. And Ireland has access is uh, now as well. Uh, the band plan has been established, and they'll be going with 15 watts PEP uh, on 5351 and a half, 5354, and 5366 for, let's see, CW narrowband, all modes, USB and voice on one, and weak signal narrowband on another. Yeah, so their USB or for voice is centered right around our uh, channel three for the US, 5358.5. There's a little dissension here. I mean, if you notice the difference in the power requirements, one is a 15-watt EIRP, and the other one is 15-watt PEP. And and I kind of put that in there because I think Ireland is pushing back on the WRC requirement for the 15 watts to be EIRP, which is what an effective interface radiating power or something like that, which basically means you, know, that you have to take into encompass your antenna system and everything else in that final output of power. Right. Where Ireland is saying, no, we want 15 watts PEP at the transmitter, which I believe 15 watt PEP really is like, uh, what, uh, seven and a half watts or something like that. Normally PEP is twice the full carrier. But anyway, I, I digress. I, I just thought it was interesting <laughs> that, that they're kind of pushing back on the, the power requirement within the EU and they're all kind of under the same guidelines per se. Yeah. All right. So let's move on. We also need to talk about FLDG. FLDG is yeah. a great application. Yeah, it's uh, pretty widely used even in uh, Windows and everywhere else. But yeah, definitely amateur radio use FL Digi. And this is 3.23.19, got released back on 12.17. Uh, this comes as a maintenance release that includes improvements and fixes, such as the PSK reporter query, uh, text highlighting, DX cluster improvements, and it uh, looks like some integration, better integration with uh, the N3FJP uh, generic contest. I thought it was great to see that... Uh, We've got another release of FL Digi and the the two three line, and you know maybe one day they'll go to two four. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's very good to see that at least FL Digi. We know it's widely used, and I think part of the reason it's widely used is because it is being actively developed, um, and it's there are always improvements, bug fixes, and things out there for it, and it's always trying to keep up with utilization. And since it is cross platform, it's a great gateway application for ham radio users regardless of the system they happen to be using. One thing we don't really talk about is people using ham radio software on Mac, because that seems to be the real forgotten you know, group of folks out there. I, I don't even know anyone who does it. So. I've tried it. <laughs> <laughs> and maybe there's a reason uh, no one does it, right? I wasn't really happy. I mean, there are definitely some good commercial applications. I mean, you have... Uh, you know, uh, Dog Park Software just released a, a version of uh, MacLog or DX. I mean, I could have put that in here as well, but that that's available. You also have uh, Rumlog. Is that what it is? That sounds familiar. I think we may have yeah. mentioned that once before. Yeah, and that one's a free one too, um, and that's available. And that that one does work work quite well. I, I use that uh, a couple times when I you know for you know took a little trip into the Mac world uh, on my uh, little Mac Mini, and. Um, yeah, you know, there's several other programs. I mean, uh, you, you start running into issues when you get into the the the, the digital realm. But uh, there is a, I believe, FL Digi is available for Mac. If not, you're using Coco Modem. What's the other one? There's another modem application too. WSJTX is available for Mac. And then I'm drawing a blank on anything else. A lot of people use Coco Modem. Written by W7AY. Yeah. FL Digi is available for Mac. Oh, Cocoa Modem is no longer developed. <laughs> well, there you go. See, I'm, I'm so far off. <laughs> but you can still use it. Just because it's not developed doesn't mean it still doesn't work. So if it's out there and you can download it, you can use it. 
and FLDG, according to Jim and us, is available for Mac. Uh, Jim, by the way, is 7, <laughs> seven Juliet 1 Alpha Juliet Hotel, otherwise known as Alpha 1 Al- 8 Alpha, who is in the chat room, <laughs> just to make that clear. <laughs> and we also have uh, Paul, KE5WMA, in the chat room. And if there's anyone else in the chat room, feel free to throw a hand up and we'll mention you since we're, you know, just kind of shooting the badger sh- tonight. Not really doing much. Just kind of enjoying the end of the year. Are we? Well, I, I'm I'm doing my best. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Yeah, because you're working your way through your on. Christmas scotch. I'm working with my way through my scotches, and we'll talk about those later on. <laughs> so, <laughs> for the last topic in our amateur radio segment, I thought I would throw in and see if anybody has any amateur radio predictions for the year 2017. Since we're about to embark on 2017 here coming up in less than a, a week. Few days, yeah. yeah. So, oh, we're gonna get we're gonna get like a million more Kickstarter campaigns for uh, SDR uh, <laughs> SDR and digital boards. That's for sure. That's gonna happen. Okay, well, so making an official prediction because we want to be able to refer back to this later, and I want to write them down here. So, oh, okay. All right, so we can talk about them in a future. Let's not say so, that. Right? <laughs> <laughs> no, they don't have to be right. No one. I mean, these could be completely off the wall. So, Bill says there will be. How, give me a number, not a million. Make it a realistic right, number. Let's say uh, you know, uh, we're going to see probably at least four new SDR boards uh, come out through Kickstarter. All right. There will be That's four new SDR boards developed via Kickstarter in 2017. Jay Lindsay said 2017 is the year of the Linux and the Hamjack. I think everyone knows that. <laughs> All right. I'm going to put that in. <laughs> I'm definitely putting that in the show notes. All right. 2017 is, is the year the of year Linux and the Hamshack. Linux in the Hamshack. All right. Excellent. And I'm not we sure there's any way to disprove use- that. So <laughs> just keep uh, putting these vendors up to like, uh, you know, self-destructing themselves. Okay. I have a prediction for 2017. It just came to me, actually. Which is? Flex Radio Uh-oh. will not have a Linux version <laughs> <laughs> available in 2017. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Prove me wrong, Flex Radio, right? <laughs> They're obviously... In- oh, and by the way, Jay Lindsay's in the chat room. <laughs> Yay! Yay! If anyone else in the chat room has a prediction, an amateur radio-based prediction for 2017, I'd Speak love to up, hear it. Yep. yep. So I have one, Bill has one, Jay Lindsay has one. Cheryl, do you have a, a prediction for 2017, amateur radio related? Maybe about somebody having a call sign by the end of 2017? Any prediction Ooh. on that? No. <laughs> yeah. Need to run I, a pool on that, right? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and where you need, exactly? You need to do that in Dayton while we're there. That's what you need to do. Well, they're in a completely new venue this time, remember? Because they're, oh, Z- they're in Zenia now, yeah. not at the Harris. So it could right. be. It could, yeah, it could be there at the venue. So you're going to have to study between now and May. Study. (laughs) No, but so so do you have a prediction? Yes or no? (laughs) Maybe. No, that's not a prediction. (laughs) (laughs) I I think I think we do need to make a prediction here on uh, certain legislation. Okay. The antenna one. Well, you're talking about the lessening of restrictions on uh, amateur radio on antennas in HOAs and stuff like that. HOAs and stuff. Yeah. Right. That is not. And I have a feeling it won't pass in 2017 either. Okay. HOA bill will not pass in 2017. All right. Fine. Cheryl will have a license by the end of Amazon. All right. Cheryl, produce. If if (laughs) I can get into wherever they're doing the testing. She will be licensed in 2017. All right. Excellent. (laughs) 
We should be more specific. Dayton, right? <laughs> okay, all right. I said Dayton. Dayton, if, 2017. <laughs> if I can get into the Dayton venue. Right. Because I can't well, get again, into... Again, your prediction doesn't have to come true. Right. This well, is just I can't get into so. anything around here, so... All right. All right, so we're going to move on to open source for the evening. So Cheryl got a new computer for Christmas, and on it, she needed to pick a distribution to put on it, a Linux distribution, because it came with Windows 7. Uh, slash Windows 10, which we decided to immediately uninstall. So the first thing we decided to try was Ubuntu Budgie, or Ubuntu Bougie, as we've uh, recently discovered on... Uh, Bougie. Yeah, Bougie, because all the oohs are oo. We anyway. decided to start with the 16.10 version of Ubuntu Budgie. I actually had Cheryl like at the keyboard and the mouse doing the install, and it did not go smooth. Well, first of all, how was your impression, what was your impression of Linux as an installation procedure? It's the same procedure that we've used before. I've just watched you do it instead of me doing it myself. Right. Do you think, based on your experience so far with two Linux installs, if I just gave you a thumb drive or a DVD with a, you know, with an installation on it of these two particular operating systems and a computer, that you could do it? Oh, I get a computer too. Well, of course you get a computer. Oh, okay. Right? <laughs> you install it on your, install it directly to your brain or yeah, what? Well, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I yeah. love how you added that and a computer. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you get the whole package. Oh, you, get, okay. you get everything okay. you need to do the install except instructions. Okay, so for the most part, it's fairly user friendly. The only thing I probably would have problems with just. If I was an all-the-time Windows user and sat down right now with a Linux install and tried to install it, I would have no idea about setting up the partitions. Okay. Because that's not common They have the easy button, right? They do have the easy button, which is basically just, you know, there are a couple of options, one of which is, you know... Use whole disk or something. Right. Erase erase what's on the disk and install. There's also install side-by-side with whatever happens to be on the computer already. There's a reinstall if you already have a version of Linux installed previously. And then there's the options to do things sort of manually. Right. Um, We didn't actually do the, you know, just click the easy button and go. No, because you wanted specific directories. Right, we wanted up. to do specific things. So if you so if you were doing it and you were able to click the easy button, do you right. think you could have gotten through it? Oh, no yeah, problem. Yeah, yeah, not a problem. Okay, so so that's good. And yeah. we're talking about what is generally considered as the most popular Linux distribution out there, Ubuntu. If you just said go install this on a computer, I'm not helping you figure it out yourself. And I click the easy button and went that way. Yeah, it, there was no problems with the installation itself, but because we decided to set up specific partitions, mm-hmm. we ran into issues. Yes, we did. Yeah, not sure why we ran into issues because after we went back and forth a couple of times, things seemed to get their crap together. And it, and it literally was. Russ was sitting there scratching his head going, okay, what in the world is going on? Because it kept popping up with the budgy, easy, predefined partitions, even yeah. when we said, do something else. And he was like, no, 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 no. And it wouldn't let us change anything. If we tried that's to go in and delete a partition, it would say, that's in use by LVM. And Russ was like, but we didn't tell it. 
we wanted LVM at this point. What is going on? <laughs> so we bounced back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, logged in, logged out, logged in, logged out. Finally, at one point, it actually let us do the set it up your own way thing. Yeah. Okay. So we finally get through all of that, even though Russ was still sitting there scratching his head. Um, got into, you know, got everything installed. Then we got to the point where, and we kind of, we, I think we kind of figured that one out tonight. The first thing we decided to install, Russ said, okay, so what software do you currently have on your computer? Which is Linux Mint. Um, because, and my computer is ancient. So I, you know, I was like, well, um, hex chat. That's, that's one of the, pro- the programs I have now. And he's like, all right, let's, let's go to the software window, not a terminal window and install hex chat. So we did. But it ran into an issue in the installation process, so I think we installed it again, and it seemed to go okay, but then it didn't show up anywhere. We couldn't find it. Ah, yes. That's the bug I have, too. Well, but it was actually worse than that when it came to HexChat for us, because when you go through the software center in Ubuntu, you can select HexChat to install. You click on install. It goes through what is apparently the install procedure. Then it errors out. And then you can click and say, you know, report this error. So you do that. And then it went through and did the installation procedure again. And at that point, it showed it as being installed. And then, you know, showed you that you could, it had like the uninstall button as opposed to the install install button. button. It wasn't in the start menu, but it was actually worse than that. It wasn't actually installed. If you actually went to a terminal and did a D package and queried for hex chat, it never actually got installed. Oh, that's very interesting. Yeah. Yeah. So we thought it was an issue with Budgie. Yeah, we thought it was a, a problem with the Budgie version of Ubuntu. So then we went and did an install of Ubuntu GNOME, the GNOME version of Ubuntu, and it had the exact same problem with HexChat. Then we installed something else because we were like, well, maybe it's a problem with HexChat, not you know just the software yeah, installation apparently it's procedure. it's a HexChat problem. Yeah, so apparently it's HexChat because we installed SuperTux 2 instead just because it was there. It was there. <laughs> <laughs> and that one huh. installed perfectly fine. But I'm Russ could go through the terminal window and install HexChat, and it was fine. And it was fine as well. Oh, uh, okay. Software center issues. Yeah, yeah. so it's a software center issue. So now... Well, I never use the software center. Right. No, no right. But, but again, we're talking about what's supposed to be an easy-to-use-for-newbie distribution. And yeah, if you have software that doesn't properly install through the software center, that's a big issue. Yeah, because I have no clue on how to go through a terminal window and install stuff. Yeah, she'd have no idea how to fix that if it didn't work. Yeah. So, well, shouldn't you be installing the long-term service version for uh, newbies? No, we're not going to go there. Because, <laughs> <laughs> like, you need the fully baked version. I mean, sixteen ten is really just for people that want to live a life on the edge. You know, well, see, and I asked him down in winter. And, yeah, and when he when he said, <laughs> "Yeah, we're going to install Bougie," I was like, um, "Is Bougie stable?" <laughs> He's like, ah, we'll take care of that. <laughs> I'm like, all, all right. right. So I, I guess it's what we're experienced thus far is it's it's not as stable as it is in solo. Right. <laughs> so I guess we'll have to do that next. We'll have to install the sixteen oh four version, right? And see if HexChat actually properly Works installs. In right. So. Yeah. Now wait, so. wait. If if it's going to be for her computer, yeah, really try installing Solus. Why? Because it's better. Why? Why? Why is it better? <laughs> Because it is well, all of the other all of the other machines in the house are based on Debian. So why would we want to install Solus? Because it's awesome, (laughs) (laughs) and you'll see how it's supposed to work. Like everything will work. 
No, like, everything in Budgie Center will, will work fine. You it, just won't be able to install ham radio software on it. Well, she doesn't care about that. Well, so. yeah. Exactly. So you're all set. <laughs> <laughs> all right. It'll well, be the best experience ever. I trust me. Okay. okay. <laughs> well, th- this will actually be a great test. Maybe we do need to try Solus because then we can see if the whole LVM configuration thing actually works in Solus. Right. Oh, yeah. Well, yeah, because we're having problems with the LVM thing. In Ubuntu. In Ubuntu yeah. tonight. So yeah. Ru- Russ is like, let's just let's just install, you know, Ubuntu GNOME, see what happens. And we started running into issues again. And at one point he's like, All right, we gotta do the the podcast. Come on, let's we'll come back to this later. <laughs> <laughs> so But I don't understand yeah. the way Ubuntu's installer for LVM works. It allows you to say that you want to use LVM in sort of the pre-canned Ubuntu configuration, and it will set up the LVM partitions and everything and and uh, partition on top of it. But if you then want to make adjustments... It won't let it you. It won't let you. It will not allow you to change the LVM configuration in any way. You mm. can't change sizes, so, names, anything. Yep, you can't add partitions, you can't delete them, you can't resize them, you can't do anything. So... Yeah, which was why Russ was sitting there scratching his yeah. head, going, "No, this is well, that's why I was. This is not. Off. Yeah, <laughs> this is not what I want to do." So yeah, I, I generally don't use LVM, so I really not versed that well in it. I remember at one point in time, one of the distributions used to force LVM on you. I think CentOS forces LVM. Was that what it was? Yeah, I was. I was trying to remember. I was like, I remember. Yeah, it always installed it with a LVM, and I'm like, ah, oh, didn't want this. Well. <laughs> LVM is really nice for what it does, but for a for a new user, they don't really need it. You know what I mean? No, and you know a lot of uh, you know a lot of special partitioning things that we used to do because of the way hard drives and stuff were. You know the the way they were built. You know we used to have to put the, the you know your swap partition in the front of the hard drive because you want it you know in a specific place on the platter, and right now you have all these new different firmwares that try to better organize the data on the hard drive. And then you got SSDs, which do things completely different. <laughs> yeah. Partitioning is, 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 is kind of a, an odd thing nowadays. Well, yeah, you wanted stuff that was re- uh, more, more often accessed at the beginning part of the hard drive. So the head literally had to move less. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Exactly. Uh, to, to speed up performance. But yeah, it doesn't really matter that much anymore. <laughs> no. Yeah. I mean, with this amount of, bram that we can put in a machine i i don't even i don't even hit my limit i, I never hit the swap on this box here yeah. it's only got eight gig yep we never touch it either and her new machine has eight gigs of ram so it'll probably never swap that's sad i mean i know i've ran into some of those bugs especially on the ubuntu bougie uh 1610 and that's kind of annoying because if you install a piece of software i literally have to log out and log back in to refresh my menu i know there's a hook you can do to run it because that's probably what's not being ran and apparently this was an old bug that was solved a while ago that somehow is still lingering around, at least in uh, the Ubuntu landscape. Um, it, it does not do that on solos for sure. Well, I, I, at one point just before the podcast, I tried to install, we installed Ubuntu GNOME 1610, uh, mm-hmm. which seemed to go fine. And then we still had the LVM issues, but we got, we got to the point where I actually got it installed. And then I decided to install the budgie packages on top of it. And we did that. And then when we went to actually log in using Budgie, the desktop didn't show up in the desktop manager window in the launcher, yeah. like, like GDM three. So I went to so I went to a console to restart GDM, and it went into a restart loop. So I had to reboot oh. the machine. 
<laughs> yeah, it, 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 it was plagued with issues. So, so yeah. <laughs> so 16.10 yeah, yeah, is yeah. definitely not ready for prime time, folks. Just, <laughs> it's just so everyone's aware. <laughs> but, yeah. All right. Yeah, that's unfortunate. I mean, it does work. I mean, you can get it working and, and, uh, well, we, we got it working. It was be. really bizarre when we actually got, I actually rebooted should the machine be. and brought it up and we could, we could go into the budgie desktop, but it had all of, it was budgie except the doc was missing and all of the iconization was gnome. So it was budgie gnome. <laughs> <laughs> it was really weird. It was yeah. odd. Yeah. <laughs> it was kind of a monster. Yeah. Yeah, I mean the one thing that uh, the big divergence between the you know from using Solus and then using Ubuntu Budgie is the fonts. Surprisingly, like all the fonts in Solus look right in every application. When you first get you know Ubuntu Budgie running, all the fonts kind of look weird, weird, <laughs> weird, weird and crappy. Um, so you kind of have to play around with some of the extra fonts that you think which you know should be normally set the same uh, considering that, you know, it's, it's a windowing environment or whatever, and it's supposed to normalize some of these settings for, especially the GTK apps and stuff like that. But yeah, I just, uh, you know, the experience is so much better on Solus. I, I you know, for a normal user, that's not going to be making their own packages, which they've tremendously, you know, made simpler in the latest version uh, of the, the package maker that they got rolled out. I think it's, I think it's rolled out completely. If not, it's, it's in testing. Um, you know, I think making packages will be a lot easier too. Um, but I think the experience overall is 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 going to be much better, just because the software is is pretty much built to work with that system in a much better way. All right. Well, that's all we got on that. So we're going to move on and take a look at a new release of OpenShot. Yeah, we got OpenShot two point two released, and uh, I kind of I caught this, and then I caught the uh, the link from uh, oh my you know, OMG Ubuntu, and uh, they had a link on how to get it installed on your particular flavor of Ubuntu because we all know that these kind of releases when they're first out take a, quite a while to get into the package repos. So they, uh, they have a, a link to how to, uh, how to add the PPA and, you know, get their official PPA for the builds for, uh, for Ubuntu. But this, this release comes with a 10 X performance increase, which, Hey, we, we like that. And 4k video editing, which they have not had in the past. So, I mean, this, this opens up the editor to a whole new, whole new world of, uh, you know, drone video. <laughs> yeah, I mean, hey, it's Christmas time. Everybody got a new drone, right? right. So, uh, <laughs> except me. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, yeah. It. Uh, I have not loaded it yet, so I have not looked at it. We do have OpenShot here, and we do uh, try to use it. Related to this, uh, I noticed today that uh, that Handbrake uh, just released 1.0, so they finally hit the 1.0 release after 13 years of being in development. <laughs> and <laughs> and uh, you know, well, I mean, they've been releasing all along, but they finally they're finally to a point where they believe that. You know, this is this is the the 1.0 version of the product, and it's a great product. I don't know if you used Handbrake, but uh, it's great for uh, you know doing all kinds of conversions and formats and and encoding and, and and whatnot. And uh, I've used it multiple times. You know, dealing with weird camera formats and then trying to work on you know a video editor that doesn't like those formats. <laughs> it definitely makes it easy to use files in other formats and. There's a PPA probably somewhere around that way for that one as well. So if you want the 2.2 release for OpenShot and the 1.0 release for Handbrake in your Ubuntu, go look for the PPAs. Yeah, I use Handbrake a lot. Love that software. Yeah. I've used both the CLI version and the GUI version. They're both excellent. 
And we talked about, in a previous episode, installing Bash on Windows, but you had an addendum? Yeah, yeah. You know, I actually tried it. Uh, I wanted to see uh, what kind of process it was. So I, uh, I used the Windows Central uh, uh, guide, basically, on how to, uh, how to get it running on your system. So followed it step for step. And uh, so I installed Bash on my system. I have it loaded right now here in the PowerShell window. <laughs> and I can run HTOP on it. Hey, look at that. Ooh. Bash and PowerShell. <laughs> that sounds like evil. Yeah, so Bash is installed. It has a, basically a, a full load of uh, uh, trusty uh, build of uh, Ubuntu. Performance-wise, you know, I don't know. Uh, you know, the, the things it's missing, it's missing an X server, so you can't really run anything GUI-related. I guess you're, if you're looking at uh, doing .NET uh, core build stuff, which does not use GUI stuff at all, yeah, I mean, it'd be perfect for that. But technically, we've already had Sigwin and Colinux and just about maybe a couple others that, that basically do the same thing. You know, at least Sigwin came with the next environment. I don't know. It works. That's all I can really say. I mean, <laughs> I'll have to wait and see if I can figure out a uh, particular use. You know, since, since I have Linux machines and it doesn't really fit for me. But, um, yeah, I don't know. It, it was pretty painless. You know, it did require you doing a reboot like everything in Windows. You end up setting up a user. The username, surprisingly, can be different than what your Windows username is. There's some weird stuff. When you open up Bash for the first time, you know, you're in your, your Windows home directory. But if I CD to my home directory, I'm no longer there. <laughs> I'm in uh, slash home slash my user, which I really don't know where the heck that is on the hard drive. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so I probably have to put a file on there and run search and figure out where it's at. I'm sure if I read the documentation, I, I would do. I would be able to do this. But you're a guy; you don't read directions. Well, <laughs> very good. So yes, we've we've already kind of touched on the topic of running Bash, and apparently it's a more full featured environment than just having a shell in your Windows. Oh no, but, yeah. I mean, you can run apt on it. You know, I can install yeah. all the packages I want, including GUI packages, but they don't run. They don't run because there's no X server, right? We get. <laughs> I forgot to put predictions in this particular uh, segment of the show, so I just threw that in there. And based on the talk you just had and how we've talked about other ways to install or run Ubuntu, basically, in Windows, just thought I'd throw in there that I predict there will be an alpha release of Ubuntu NT by the end of 2017. <laughs> it'll be an Ubuntu. It'll be Ubuntu running the NT kernel. Oh, Interesting. <laughs> It'll just be one you have to reboot all the time. No, well, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> all kinds of memory leaks and everything else. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously, total BS, but I just thought, <laughs> since, since Ubuntu is, is so doing so much to try and work its way into the Windows world, I mean, why not just yeah. assume the kernel? Yeah, why not? I'll put a prediction here. Okay, uh, yeah, go ahead. What's the next thing that uh, Microsoft's going to open source? Uh, I say the next thing that Microsoft will open light? source. Uh, no, hell no. <laughs> <laughs> I, I say they open source SharePoint. Okay. Yeah, because it's such a bloaty piece of crap. <laughs> <laughs> I think I think they could do it. All right. Well, there you go. I'm curious to see if any of this will actually come anywhere close to fruition in the next year or so. HRD will be open source. All right. <laughs> <laughs> Poor bastard. All right. We should probably move on to Linux in the Ham Shack, segment three for the evening. Bill, you uh, put in a, sort of an open-ended topic for the evening. So let's discuss what you would need if you wanted to put Linux in your shack, like go completely Linux native in your shack, which you and I both have pretty much done already. 
So, um, so what are you saying that someone who wanted to do this would actually need? Find a, a version of Linux that you like the looks of, right? Because <laughs> that's the most important thing. Is if it looks good, then that's what you want. No, look for Ubuntu. Look for Debian. Look for you know these the, the big popular packages that you know you're going to have all the software available for Linux. You know, at your fingertips, whether it be slightly dated based upon the repo you're in. With Debian, it's so easy to you know pin an app, go to a PPA uh, setup. You know, get a repository that has, you know, specific packages for these, uh, these ham radio software. You know, a lot of the low end, uh, machines can run, you know, Lubuntu without a problem, Ubuntu, Ubuntu Mate without a problem. I mean, there are desktop environments designed to run on low end hardware. And that's exactly what the, the Andes ham radio Linux has on it. It has, uh, what IceWM, which is another, you know, very minimal, minimal, minimal requirements. For running on a system, the only thing I, I I get concerned about with some of these smaller, uh, you know, at least at least for some of the outdated kernels and stuff like that is is being able to handle netbook power management or some of the advanced features of the the processor if it has very specific chipsets and whatnot. Andy's is uh, what is Andy's? It's running three point something three point one three. One thing about the newer kernels is they don't tend to necessarily deprecate drivers from older hardware just because the kernel is updated. It does happen sometimes, especially. Oh if yeah, the hard- I was talking more along lines of like having something too new for an older kernel, like you know, like Sandy Bridge or something like that, where we made an, a, a pretty massive architecture switch. You might run into problems with some of these older kernels. Going the other way, some of the newer kernels will generally support older hardware. There have been some cases where really old hardware, just stuff that hasn't been manufactured in a long time or hasn't appeared in the computing world in a long time, will actually be dropped from the kernel just to you know save some space because they figure that 0.02% of the population that actually has this in use, but that rarely happens. So, yeah, you'd have to go back a ways to find probably a kernel that didn't support the hardware even if it's six years old i mean any any current kernel should should be fine look again at this new this new release of andy's it's definitely built for lower end hardware let's just go ahead and go start talking about this new version of andy's ham radio linux well before we do that let me just say that regardless of what linux distribution you choose to use in a situation like this in 99.9% of the cases, however you do the install, whether it be an Ubuntu version or a Debian version or a Red Hat slash Fedora version or something like that, or SUSE even, you can choose to not install the default window manager. And the window manager slash desktop environment tends to be the biggest drag on resources on whatever hardware you've got. So if you want the functionality of Ubuntu and the ability to access the PPAs and the repos that are available to you and all the ham radio software that you could potentially use on this machine in your ham shack, but you're worried about using something like Budgie or GNOME 3 or KDE that has a very complex you know, desktop environment that uses a lot of compositing and video resources and things like that is very CPU intensive, you can still install... All of these distributions just leave off the desktop environment and install a lighter weight one like IceWM or LVM or FVWM or something like that that is far less resource intensive because the software that you run underneath is independent of the desktop environment or the window manager you choose to use on top of it. So uh, you could piece the system together in a way that would be functional on your 
maybe lower powered atom based machine as opposed to somebody who's got the latest and greatest, you know, Intel Core i7 that can run the hell out of GNOME 3 or whatever. You know, you can look at it that way. Most installers will give you the option of choosing your desktop environment or just simply not installing one at all, and you can add one in later. All right, so I guess we can cover some of the new stuff that's come out in Andy's Ham Radio Linux. Uh, Gerald saw this uh, and put it in the show, so that's great. Six days ago from the day we're recording this, a new version of Andy's Ham Radio Linux was released. It's a remastered version of Ubuntu. Uh, there is a 32-bit version and a 64-bit version. There's also a version for the PengoPod 1000, which I don't even know, or the PengPod 1000. What the hell is the PengPod 1000? I guess I should have looked this up before they... <laughs> I have no idea. I saw that too. I was like, what the heck is that? <laughs> okay, I'm looking it up now. It's a Linux-based tablet. It's an A10 processor running 1 gigahertz. Who has that? Come on. <laughs> <laughs> I'll bet Andy does. <laughs> oh, yeah, I bet you Andy probably has one. Looking for this article date here on what, uh, what decade was it written in? Was it this one? Oh, 2012. Oh, so all right. <laughs> the PengPod, a true Linux tablet, hits its mark on Indiegogo. So it's, it was an Indiegogo product. It went for uh, 185 bucks, but early supporters got them for as low as $99. And we'll go ahead and add the, the, the link to the article for the PengPod in there <laughs> in the show notes. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Because they might be on eBay now. This version contains a lot of amateur radio software, including some of the stuff you would recognize, FLDG, NBEMS, GPredict, EarthTrack, XCWCP, and QRQ, uh, XLog and CQRLog, FLRig and GRig, XNEC2C, FL underscore MoxGen, AA-Analyzer, OWX, VOACAP, GLFer, and a whole, whole lot more, like Exaster, FreeDV, WSJTX, blah, 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 blah. This is all stuff you've heard of before if you've ever listened to this program before and they are running the latest versions uh 1.7 is definitely on there for wsjtx and let me see uh 3.2314 oh very very close to the latest version so considering this is a not a rolling release that's very close to the latest one so uh version 20 of andy sam radio linux is updated to match ubuntu 1404 so that's that's getting dated now that's three and a three and a half years old but still an lts release and still supported uh software collection uses ice wm uh, it's an old window manager and it's very archaic looking but the whole purpose of that was to be able to run with lower powered hardware so there's there's a reason to the madness i guess customized for am radio use am radio ham radio use uh, it's designed to be lightweight to run on older computers, which I sort of just said. Uh, recommended hardware specs are a 1 gigahertz CPU like the PengPod 1000, 1 gig of memory, and 10 to 15 gigs of disk space. At a bare minimum, uh, SDR apps will require more. Live medium can be installed to the hard drive or a USB thumb drive. And uh, there's quite a few different things here that are listed that are available, which we already really talked about. So... The one problem I had with Indies Ham Radio Linux as with sort of all the other ones is they kind of went a little far with the branding. Like every like splash screen was ham radio related and the <laughs> desktop had pictures of like Yezu rigs on them and stuff like that. And it's like, you know, you don't need to go that far, <laughs> but <laughs> it also just kind of looks a little cheesy. But I mean, having all the assorted functionality there is, is really cool. One thing I didn't see is I think an early version of Andy's actually ran uh hrd4 i don't know if this new version still tries to do that and i'm kind of hoping that it doesn't (laughs) yeah i don't see it in the list so i would i would seriously doubt it 
The only logging they have in there are CQR, FLL log, FLNet, TQSL, of course, and Xlog. Surprisingly, they don't have PyLog in there. It's based on Ubuntu, so it's in the repo. So if you want to try Andy's Ham Radio Linux, the new version, based on sort of an old piece of software, 14.04 Ubuntu, you know, come on, Andy, come to, like, you know... (laughs) (laughs) 1604, it's been out a little while, at least a few months. I'm sure he's probably working on it. You know, it takes a lot of time to put out your own distribution. So good on Andy for, for doing this work for, for those of us in the community. And actually, I think we need to download it and try it and give it a real review for the next episode. I've already downloaded and installed it. I have not have not given it LHS readiness score. Between now and the next episode, we'll kick the tires a little bit. We'll talk about this a little bit more in our first episode in 2017. And speaking of 2017... Do we have any Linux in the Ham Shack predictions for 2017? Before we get to that, I will say hello to Jonas, who has joined us in the chat room. I'm going to predict that Andy's Ham Radio, the next release, will be based on 1604. Ooh. There you go. May- and maybe- if nothing else, this will kickstart <laughs> Andy to <laughs> to putting out the next version. Of- <laughs> I think I could give one for Linux and Ham Radio here. I say that uh, OK1 CQR will... Uh, figure a way to build a CQR log for Windows. Fair I, enough. There's, there's some issues with some older interfaces that needs to need some work. Let's see. Here, not, I'll not do- to mention it's written in Pascal, which is painful. <laughs> <laughs> I predict FLDigi will release version 3.25 Ooh. <laughs> in 2017. <laughs> <laughs> oh, and of course, HRD will go open source. <laughs> We already predicted it. We already predicted that. Oh, that's right. right. We already have that prediction. Right. <laughs> let's let's try and think of one that's not quite as snarky as those. <laughs> You'll be nice to Gary Pierce. How about that? <laughs> uh, I don't see that one happening either. We could, do, we could do. pack up his relationship with Gary Pierce by Dayton. <laughs> I don't have a they problem with Gary Pierce. Gary apparently has a problem with all of us. Yeah, I don't, so. I don't have an issue with Gary. I mean, oh, I know. <laughs> so we can predict that Gary Pierce will be a guest on LHS in 2017. <laughs> wow, you're really reaching out there, aren't you? Uh, that'd be awesome. <laughs> I thought we were going to try and do less snarky ones. Maybe we should think of like a real thing. A real thing, yeah. yeah. <laughs> KE5WMA says the FCC will have a full house. Not sure what that means. I know we're going to get a new uh, new director, considering the existing one is retiring. Okay, so maybe he can flesh out what he means by that. <laughs> well, maybe we should uh, roll the music and then we'll finish this one up. All right, that sounds good. We, maybe it'll give us some time to think of some others of our own while we're at it. Yeah, he said currently missing a few, a few Okay. Yeah, see. they've been light for a while now there. Right. So. Okay, so he predicts the FCC will Actually, have a, a full board of commissioners. We'll put that down. We'll use the music to think about this some more. Cheryl, who says she never gets to pick music, actually picked this one. Well, uh, I didn't know that I was going to get to pick this one. Well, so. but you did. I just said I liked so. Yeah. We were looking through Jamendo and the new releases, and we found this weird conglomeration of music and what it is it's an album that's released by a guy who calls himself a bach i right um or a boki or something like that however he wants to pronounce it he's he's a swedish dude he puts out instrumental music that is alternately played on 
what sounds like a Hammond organ and or a Casio keyboard. But he's released two albums, at least on Jamendo, the first of which was called the Swedish album, Mm -hmm. and the second of which was called the Irish Irish album. But it's all synthesizer. It's like 8-bit synthesizer Irish music set to a reggae beat. If you can assimilate all of that into a musical style. If not, you're going to hear it in a second. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> um, it was literally released to Jamendo yesterday. yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> this track runs about three minutes and 40 seconds, and it's called King of the Fairies. So we'll play it and see if we have any reaction whatsoever to this <laughs> by, <laughs> when we come back. Thank you. 
Okay, so that was King of the Fairies by Abok I or Abok One or Aboki or <laughs> something like that. <laughs> something like that. Yeah, something along those lines. And there's a couple of things I'll say about that. It seemed like it got sort of oriental about three quarters of the way through. Um, and the other thing is there was lots of cowbell. So, <laughs> and then Jay Lindsay cowbell. says he needs more cowbell. No, I think he actually hit the the requisite level of cowbell in that one. So, <laughs> I predict in 2017 there will be more cowbell. There you go. <laughs> I'm not sure how you can quantify that, but all right. So there you go. Uh, <laughs> and we have in the chat room, which we didn't know was there, uh, E Spiegel. We don't have a call sign or anything like that unless he chooses to share it with us, uh, who's listening from Norway tonight or tomorrow yeah, at tomorrow almost now. five in the morning. So thanks so much for, for tuning in and listening to us live. I'm not sure what you're doing up, but okay. <laughs> and the fact that you're up and listening to this is crazy. Um, <laughs> so anyway, we're going to move on. The information about that music will be in the show notes. Paul said he liked it, so that's cool. Uh, call sign for East Beagle is Lima Bravo Six Delta Hotel. Thanks for being here. Yes, at yep. the crack of dawn. There. The, yeah, exactly. <laughs> Listening to us all the way from Norway. Fantastic. We didn't have any feedback this time, but that's okay. Hopefully, we'll have some next time. So please send us your feedback uh, on this episode and the last episode. I'm hoping between the two of them, uh, we should have plenty. With that, we're going to move on to Cheryl's recipe no. corner. Yes, we are. No, we're going to do your Scotch reviews. No, we'll do that after. All right, All right. Whatever. So so let's talk about your recipe corner recipe for this week. Yes. You told me this morning I need to get up and get a recipe. And I asked you for a suggestion. You said quiche. That's right. So today's recipe is for quiche. And this is, for me, quiche is literally one of those clean up the leftovers in the fridge type items. Just make sure that whatever you do use is fully cooked, like sauteing onions and mushrooms, or they're going to be really crunchy. Uh, make sure your meats are fully cooked. This recipe can be doubled, and you can freeze the quiche for use for, you know, a fro- or frozen for a future date. But my recipe um, includes bacon, sour cream, salt and pepper, and unbaked pie crust, olive oil, onion, fresh mushrooms, ham, Monterey Jack, cheddar cheese, Parmesan cheese, eggs some half and half some dried parsley and salt and pepper and you just uh get everything cooked up and layer it in your pan however you want to layer it the quiche that i made last week i used shaved parmesan in the very bottom and then put the sour cream mix on top of it bake it for 40 to 45 minutes and then once you get done uh, baking it let it stand for 10 minutes or so to kind of firm up a it's a great sort of dump everything on a pie crust bake it and make food out of it. And yeah. the best part about it, the way you make it, is it's always used with leftover ingredients. So every time you make a quiche, it's, it's a different, different quiche, right? which is very nice. Yeah. So, and you don't have to use a crust. If you're watching your carbs or whatever, you can just dump everything in a pie pan and dump the eggs over the top of it. And it kind of comes out as a, an omelette type thing. So still egg pies. Is good, but... <laughs> egg pie. Egg pie. <laughs> yep. <laughs> It's Love so good, though. Pie. Yeah, it's it's a great way to use up leftover ingredients, and it does keep. So you can refrigerate it for a few days if you need to eat on it for a little bit. You can freeze it, reheat it. So uh, it's a wonderful way to, to clean up ingredients and use them uh, over a long period of time going forward. 
All right, so I'm supposed to be reviewing a couple of scotches. I've had three tonight. I'm not even sure what this last one is. That's you the Hay Club. Oh, that's the Hay Club. Okay. I guess I'll do a quick 30-second review of the scotches I've had tonight. Uh, the first one I had was the Glenfiddich 15-year, which is a, a pretty decent uh, Speyside single malt. Speyside is not my favorite place to drink scotches from. They tend toward fruity, citrusy, and floral notes, which is okay. A lot of the scotches, if you add a drop or two of water to them, will open up in that way and give you uh, sort of citrus, floral notes to them. The 15-year is a lot smoother than I've had of, like, Glenfiddich's before, like the 12-year. I actually enjoyed it more. It was a little more complex, a little more woody, had a little more mouthfeel to it, so I, I kind of enjoyed the 15 more than some of the other space sides I have in my collection. So I would recommend it if you're if you're into that kind of scotch. It's actually quite a good one. And we got a really good deal on it. I think you said you spent 40 bucks on a 15-year-old scotch, which is kind of hard to come by anymore. It was on clearance. So, wow. so there you go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> I, I only get I you like the best, I like some clearance dear. liquor. Yeah. <laughs> well, I have uh, some concerns for Dayton here. And if we're all hooked up in a hotel... Uh... <laughs> Hey, it'll be the most fun dating ever. Is what I'm, I'm, yeah. I'm always the DD anytime something like that happens. So. <laughs> it's going to be all crap face at night. <laughs> I'm uh, okay with that. Daddy needs a little cough medicine. Yeah. Right. <laughs> anyway, I bet if you go back through all the 181 episodes of this program, you can tell the ones I wasn't drunk for. Um, yeah. Because <laughs> I'm a hell of a lot less entertaining. All right, so... <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, the next one I had was the Brucladic Port Charlotte. It's a peated scotch. It's a, it's a deliberately peated scotch because they also have some other unpeated scotches. But Brucladic is one of the ones that I've wanted to try for a long time. There's a specific one called Rocks that I've wanted to try that I have not been able to get my hands on. So I haven't tried that one yet. So this is the first of the Brucladic line that I've had. It's very good. It's along the lines of some of the Isla scotches. I really, I really enjoyed that one. Any of the ones that have the briny, band eighty, salty, peaty, smoky essence to them, those are my favorites, far and away. Any of the Isla scotches, like the Taliskers, the Lafroigs, Ardbeg, along those lines, those are the ones that really <laughs> set my hair on fire. So, the Brooklotic Port Charlotte was definitely right up there. And the last one I had was my second glass, actually, of the Hague Club. Oh, I didn't know that you had some of that. Yeah, so. I had some of that. No, that's fine. I'm actually still sipping on a glass of that right now, so let me take a quick sip of it. One thing about the Hague Club is it almost tastes like a blended. I don't know that it is. No, it's a single. Let me take a look at what Hague Club says. Single. It says single grain whiskey. Oh, okay. Yeah, I think, I think that would be considered a blended scotch. It's made from three different whiskeys that are made from the same grains but it's a blend um and it tastes like a blend because it's very very sweet compared to a single malt um it doesn't have an age statement but you get so much toffee and vanilla yeah it's like toffee and vanilla and bread and and almost fruit cake yeah it has, that's that was what i tasted yeah, the other night I mean, was a fruit cakey type thing. and so. uh like sweetened berry and stuff like that it's i tasted some apricots in it yeah so. it, it, like yeah lots of berry and apricot and fruit it's uh it's a very fruity and it's 
I got to say, if you if you like a sweeter drink, it's not quite as sweet as something like Drambuie, which is like a dessert scotch, but it is it is right up there among that character. It is a very dense feel to it. You can almost feel the sort of oily back of the you know throat palate, nice long legs on it, and it's it's very desserty and fruity. So, but it is a blended. They've obviously had time to uh, work on the maturation and and give it some of that character. So it's definitely not your single malt scotch profile, but it's worth a shot. And you got it on clearance for like $30. $30. So, and it comes in a very cool uh, cobalt blue bottle, which is neither here nor there. But I actually am really. loves cobalt blue bottles. (laughs) And I'm also really digging the scotch too. So So if you want to give Hague Club a try, there you go. Check it out. You also got Cal Isla for sure. Yeah, I got Cal Cal Isla 12. Um, I also got. Uh, Revolution Rye, which is from a local distillery. Reunion Rye. Uh, Reunion Rye, that's right. Dark Horse Reunion Rye in barrel strength, which I have not cracked that bottle open yet. I cannot wait to, to crack into that. Well, I can drink No, that no, no, later, later. <laughs> the Glenfiddich 15, if you if you like Speysides, I would say it's a very good Speyside for a reasonable price. The Port Charlotte from Bruclotic, I would say, is a very good Isla character scotch. Again, for a very reasonable price. And if you like something of the more fruity variety in a not quite but close to dessert scotch, along the lines of Drambuie but not quite as sweet as that, uh, you could do a lot worse than the Hague Club. That's my thoughts on those. So let's move on. I guess we're just about ready to wrap this thing up. All righty then. So it's the social media roundup. Woohoo! Yay! Yep. So, on the list for this week, we've got Jonas Rulo, and he's in the chat room. We also have Jeremy Hall, Michael Connolly, Scott Pettigrew, Bob Yerke, Paul Griffith, Ronald Ike, Johnny Kinsey, Brian Smith, Robert Halliday, Ben Schram, Michael Aiello, John Clark, Rob Branchdash, Edward Donnelly, Donald Gever, Alan Wilson, Stephen Sainer, Dylan Engel, James Blocker, Mike Lasky, Darren King, Petro Kartsakis, Donna Farron, Bill Stearns, Bill Piotr, Robert Pitts, Jeff Cannell, John Fotsky, and Doug Rutter. On Facebook, we have, and again, if I butcher your name, I'm sorry, uh, Nizer Ben Rejeb, Edward Gilligan, Stan Ostrom, Darren Clark, and Malcolm Parsons. On Google+, Sean Smith joined us this week. On Twitter, we have smentos.com, MB Hayworth, JJ Mootle, VU3RDD, and JP Anderson94. Nobody joined us on YouTube. Terry Bindle joined our mailing list in the merchandise sales this week. Which is okay, because it's only been a week, actually, since the last episode, so I'm not really surprised. We've actually had a lot of people subscribe to various services and join the program in one way or another, so... That's very cool. It's good to see everybody jumping on board, and we really appreciate all of you guys. Anyway, that is our very last recording for 2016, so we're going to move on to... It's a yay-boo thing. Yeah, I guess. I think everyone's ready to see 2016 go bye-bye with all these famous people who have died Dying. lately. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Yeah, uh, there were some more deaths today. Not... Yeah. Between that and Brexit and... Donald Trump and everything else, I think there's a whole lot of people who want to say goodbye to 2016. So uh, this is our goodbye to 2016. So I'm going to push the outro button, and that means the show is over. So 
you can become an LHS ambassador. Visit the website for upcoming events and information on how you can represent Linux in the Ham Shack at a nearby LinuxCon or HamFest. We love feedback. You can email us at info at lhspodcast.info, comment on an episode on the website, post on Google+, Facebook, or Twitter, or leave a voicemail at 1909-LHS-SHOW. That's 1909-547-7469. Visit our IRC channel any time of the day or night, Octothorpe LHS Podcast on the Freenode Network, and subscribe to our mailing list. Show merchandise from coffee mugs to t-shirts to iPad covers to wall clocks to just about anything you can think of can be purchased at cafepress.com stroke LHS podcast. You can also help out the show by clicking on those sponsored ads in the right-hand column of the homepage. So turn off your ad blockers for our site. Click on that link. It doesn't cost you a thing, and we get a little bit out of Google every so often. You can listen to us live every other Monday night at 8 o'clock Central Time. That's Tuesday at 0100 Zulu or 0200 Zulu, depending on what time of the year you're listening at. Just, you know, figure out what Zulu time is and you'll be all set. Our recording schedule and countdown timer to the next episode are on the website, and that website is lhspodcast.info. Make sure it's .info, not .com, .net, .me, or any of those other things. Uh, Everything you ever wanted to know about the show, you can find there. We want to thank all of our listeners live and quasi-live, past, present, and future. We really appreciate each and every one of you. You're what make the show go. You're the reason why we're here doing this every couple of weeks. So thanks again. We'll see you in two weeks' time for our first recording of 2017, episode number 182. But until then, hope you have a happy holiday season, and uh, we'll catch you soon. This is Russ, K5TUX. That's Cheryl. Thanks for listening, everyone. And over there, somewhere out in the Northwest, is Bill. 73, everyone. And we'll see you in two weeks' time. Take care. Enjoy 2016. Hope 2017 is better for you than this year. Goodbye. Good.